Hello, this is Ken Ferry with this week's Boots in the Field. Going to start out this uh, Boots in the Field with a crop report of what I've seen personally as well as the people that we've talked to that I trust their opinion on what they're seeing out there and, and kind of give you some background as far as what maybe other neighboring states and stuff are looking at. Talked with, uh, with a friend that farms in southwest Iowa uh, on Tuesday, Wednesday, and they were finishing up corn and still had a few days and beans. Said the actual corn stands look pretty good uh, as far as the amount that they got up. Um, but the corn is yellow, off color, and kind of struggling a little bit due to the cool, cloudy conditions. Um, they've got a few more days, three, four days of bean plant, and he thought in the neighborhood the beans are struggling. Uh, some of those beans been in the ground almost three weeks, uh, and not much uh, activity as far as being able to see them yet. If we move up to north central Iowa, or Mr. Malchek's farming up there, they're finishing up corn, quite a bit of bean planting going on, and they are replanting corn. Sounds like uh, a number of fields are going to have to be replanted. This past weekend, we traveled to northeast Iowa for the weekend. Uh, again, there I saw good corn stands, pale, kind of off-color looking, um, just flat out needed some heat. The soybeans, a different story. A lot of soybeans were being planted. I'm guessing they were at that 60% mark planted. Um, but if you wanted to see a soybean, you had to get out of your truck even if they were planted three weeks ago. So some of those beans are in the ground two to three weeks and barely making it out. Uh, bean stands are struggling uh, in that area as well. Talk to the guys out in Northwest Ohio. Um, they're, again, a few days to finishing up corn. Probably everybody said had three to four days of bean planting out there. Uh, a lot of corn being replanted in that situation. Uh, talk with Parish Farms down in Southeast Ohio and again, they're finishing up corn and beans down there. Um, and it's their April planted corn that's taken the most replant. Uh, and again, stands are struggling in that scenario itself. Ed said in his 45 years of experience that this would either be the worst or tied for the worst as far as trying to get a crop up and going in their neighborhood itself. Word from one large seed company that deals with both Indiana and Ohio. Based on replant bags, they've had to ship out right at this point it's the largest in their company's history as far as the amount of replanting that was going on um, in indiana and ohio in the, <clears throat> the local area itself uh, kind of the same story talking with the guys up at streeter um, they're finishing up the beans and uh, actually um, corn starting to look a lot better than it did just 10 days ago but again the replanting there is above average uh, as far as the amount of corn that has to be replanted as well as beans the guys down at new berlin are putting their pots in for the third time so kind of frustrating there as far as trying to uh, trying to get this thing off and, and running itself here in the in the mclean dewitt county area uh, again we continue to patch in a lot of corn this week some of those fields that i thought people just gave up on they've now come back and taken them out and a lot of uh, replanted corn going into fields that have v4 v5 corn in them itself so i guess what i'm saying with all the i states on the struggle bus to get this crop up and out of the gate like it is um, my belief is it's going to be hard to hang on to trend line yields so take that for whatever it's worth but as i look at this area this is not small this is a large area taking in uh, a big chunk of the 
corned bean uh, Midwest, so keep that in mind. This week we continue to see the ugly corn stages develop out there as we get transition from crown roots to seed roots. So you saw some of those uniform fields that were uniform just a week ago start to kind of fall apart a little bit uh, in their uniformity and size and growth patterns itself. Also this week we're warming up that the carbon penalty is kicking in and starting to kick in full bore. So some of those fields, especially the corn on corn that were green last week are now getting a pale kind of wavy color to it um, across the whole field itself so they're starting to pick up some uh, nitrogen and sulfur deficiency that you would see out there in the field now have people call and say well, I don't understand why my corn is is slowing down I did the same program that I've done other years with my weed and feed and that type of thing oh well, remember part of it is um, the rainfall as we're talking about nitrates, our surface nitrogen is moved to the second foot. So we are seeing nitrates coming through here that are too low to keep a corn plant green. So if your surface nitrates in that top foot drop below 10 part per million and you haven't done anything from a banding standpoint from the planter, you're going to be able to see it from the road. Now the nitrogen's there. Most of these fields, it's just in the second foot. Problem is we got to get a corn plant bigger than it is to get to it. So in a lot of years, we're talking June 2nd, and we could have knee-high corn, we would be in that second foot. But when we're talking V3 to V5 corn, we're not there. So we're just going to have to wait this out. That corn will snap back out of it once it gets some depth of root to it and gets itself down in there itself. Definitely in our plots, you can really see what we've done with and without the planter. Uh, as far as that's one of the ways to get past this, to weatherproof it, is to put some nitrogen there with the planter itself. You can start to see some of these fields where the fall manure or fall anhydrous is put on at angles. Some of that corn is catching up to that, so we start to see some pretty strong streaking that's taking place across there. So how do we get this corn back green? The question comes in. Well, uh, side dressing is underway. A lot of side dressing going on. I'd like to tell you, side dress that corn. It'll turn back green in a short amount of time. But unfortunately, you're, if you're side dressing with a colder, you're 15 inches away, you're putting it in the ground, the root system's still got to get to that nitrogen. So you're not going to see an instant response to side dressing nitrogen in these conditions, especially now where it looks like rain has been pulled out of a lot of the forecast itself. What if I go in there and Y drop it? Y drop it would give you a stronger response, a quicker response, because you're putting some right there near the crown roots where the plant can take it up. A little bit of rain would definitely help that out as well. And the question is, well, if, if I got to go 15 inches to the center of the row to get my nitrogen that I'm side dressing, what if I broadcast nitrogen into urea form over the top? Well, that sounds like a good option. Remember, the plant right now is looking for nitrate. The microbes that are causing this problem are looking for ammonium. Urea is going to convert to ammonium first, and then it's going to be like jet fuel for those microbes. So your urea application across the top with this forecast right now, be careful, make sure you've got it protected so it doesn't volatilize away on you. If it doesn't rain, it's going to sit there on top. So we need some rain to move that down in itself. And also be prepared for some burn. So a situation where you're going to pick up some whirl burn when it gets in there. Probably the perfect scenario would be ammonium nitrate broadcast with a light rain after it. But finding the ammonium nitrate is pretty hard to do at this point. But all said, just give it time and it'll, it'll, 
as long as you got nitrogen down there it'll find it and take off are we losing some potential yield it depends on how long it sits there one of the tricks to corn on corn is don't let it stall out too long corn on corn it could stall out for two and sometimes three weeks corn on soybeans Depending on the size of the corn, I would say five, six, seven days, and it and will probably be off and running again. Now, when we talk about soybeans, um, we got a little bit of an issue there too. The same carbon penalty is tagging the soybeans. Most of these beans are small enough that we can't see it, but the bean doesn't make its own nitrogen until it gets into that V3, the V4, that fourth trifoliate. And normally by this time we got beans that are pretty good size. The fact that our beans are small due to our late planting means a lot of beans are going to lock up in this same carbon sulfur issue. So you're going to see soybean fields that just kind of turn color. They're going to turn a, more of a pale green from the nitrogen lack. They're going to stand still. Um, now typically this doesn't mean much from a yield perspective. Meaning that um, we, if you had some starter on your beans you're going to be able to see it this year. But we are going to see some slow growing beans and some pale colored beans here in the next 10 days, 2 weeks before they can get themselves up and running themselves. Not much you can do again about that. Just realize that as you see some of these fields changing, it's not a herbicide issue. It's not a disease issue. It's just plain the carbon penalty locking them up itself. Now, uh, a lot of fields out there that I've been looking at are picking up a herbicide response. Uh, especially in the overlap zones, stuff like that. We're seeing some dicamba wilting of the corn. We're seeing some a lot of flashing to like the cholesterol treatments and stuff like that. In most cases, as this metabolism picks up and the forecast next week looks like sunshine, I think you're going to see a lot of this disappear. But this corn is basically responding to the environment and not being able to metabolize some of these herbicides out of there itself. But I think it's going to improve with heat. One area of concern for my wheat guys and everybody who planted into uh, rye or wheat as a cover, we are dealing with armyworm. So situation we need to be out there checking those stands. You, again, you got to get down and look in the furrow uh, and see if those beans are coming up and if they're getting fed on. And some of them will get fed on before they even make it out of the ground. And um, you got to get down there close and see what kind of damage. We've already had a couple of replant issues because they've taken out too much. Army worm are going to eat anything that's green. It's a situation where whether it's cover on bean field or corn field, look as that cover crop dies down, they're going to move to the bean or the corn crop you got planted in there. So don't let this sneak up on you. We're also finding them in wheat fields. So again... Uh, you guys that got wheat, let's be scouting those fields. You guys that are farming next to a field of green cover that's been burnt down, pay attention to your outside rows. Army worm aren't going to fly out of that field into yours, but they'll march across the road to find something to eat. So situation, your outer rows need to be protected if they start to move from that cover. The moths laid their eggs in that cover sometime back when we talked about it in the podcast as far as the armyworm catches we're talking about. Um, and now we're starting to see the aftermath as far as the eggs have hatched and the larva feed is on. There's no real good thresholds when we're talking about managing a soybean or corn stand. Usually they're there or they're not and they're heavy. So um, be looking for them itself. Nitrates are rolling in at a frantic pace. The girls think that uh, all of our customers set out to see if they could cover up the office this week with nitrate flow coming through. 
And while it was a valiant effort, they did survive. Um, we did crank out a lot of uh, nitrate wrecks. Look to be doing the same for the next couple of weeks. Keep it up, keep them coming uh, in from that perspective. The weed of the week that I'm beginning to learn to hate more and more is mare's tail. We got some serious issues out there with the mare's tail as fields that I visited um, this week already. The biggest problem we have with the mare's tail is in the fields where the guys pulled the 2,4-D out, went in with a gramoxone type burn down to try to keep their timing schedule. And all we did was burn these mare's tail. They're about a foot tall and they're rebolting and coming back from the dead. Uh, and it's a situation where these fields, some of them are really going to be a challenge to deal with now that we've got this mare's tail burnt. When I go out and I look at these fields that are foot tall, uh, mare's tail coming back, it's going to a challenge because some of them are pretty thick. I, my first instinct is to tell the customer to go back to the podcast where we said don't pull the 2,4-D out and listen to it. Realizing though that's not going to do us much good at this point. Um, but if my suggestion would be if some of these fields are extend beans I would go early with my dicamba treatment. Dicamba won't get them all. But it, when we use it in corn, it does seem to knot them up, those that it doesn't get, and it kind of makes them um, stall out where the beans can outrun them and, and get past them. We can come in there with resprays, um, but when we're talking about foot tall, mad mare's tail, I want you to be realistic on what you can get done with a respray. Because we'll burn them again, um, slow them down, get the beans past them, but they're going to show back up when we're talking about knee to thigh high beans. And you may have to mentally prepare yourself to harvest some of these mare's tail. Now the good news is mare's tail doesn't carry the same seed load as water hemp. So it isn't quite as crucial in that scenario. Last year in some of those fields, um, a lot of them we tried to walk them out. Now I'm going to throw this suggestion out. Don't shoot the messenger. But if you're thinking about walking out mare's tail, let's do it now. There's a good chance that you're going to hold the rest of the mare's tail from coming. But when you can get on a four-wheeler and go out to a patch and spade them out, uh, it, it's a lot easier to get it done, a lot easier to hire somebody to do it than when we're trying to wade through waist-high beans with a hook and try to get them out. And some of these fields, they're, they're in patches, and that could be done. So, But to realistically go out and look. And I think with the tough conditions we had, from cold to cloudy to back and forth, that even the fields that had Roundup 2,4-D treatments on them are probably going to have some mare's tail escape. Uh, and it's going to be one of those things that you probably want to be checking at and deciding whether you can deal with that pressure or not out there in the fields. With the uh, forecast where it is as we watch, we're at a point where the rootworm hatch is just getting started, especially in the south. And, and maybe in the central part of the state, the rootworm hatch is underway. Um, the forecast for the next 10 days looks to be without rain. So hoping that we can drown rootworm again like we did in 2015 probably isn't going to happen. Now realize as you start to watch for or scout for rootworm, that's probably two weeks away when we can see them real good. There's not anything you can do. Um, but you do want to know, especially you guys with the non-GMO corn, how much pressure are you experiencing so you can decide which fields will or will not get an insecticide next year. This week I've dealt with an awful lot of drift issues. 
I've been uh, with the farmer who got drifted on. I've been with the farmer, the dealer who did the drifting. And uh, does make me concerned a little bit how much chromoxone drift, for instance, that we have um, this early in the game. And we haven't applied any dicamba yet itself. But as you guys start to deal with some of your own drift issues, I guess one thing I'm going to throw out there, let's be realistic with our complaints. Let's be realistic about our expectations itself. And remember the conditions that we had to deal with to get this crop in and, and to get everybody planted and up. But um, as far as in some cases it has to be replanted, the drift is so bad, other cases it's going to come out of it. But uh, let's work through that without anybody getting too bent out of shape. And let's remember that as we get ready to go into our dicamba bean applications as well. Um, we did a we did such a good job last year helping our neighbors out in Canada with that severe outbreak of walleye that they had um, that they're asking us to come back again and help them maintain that population again this year. So Zachary and myself next Friday will be headed up there to to take on this job. You know you you really got to help your neighbors out, and we think it's probably the only right thing to do is to go out there and help them with that situation. So. But you guys will be left in good hands. Um, the crew here will be able to take care of everything that's going on and, and uh, keep the nitrates and stuff rolling itself. But if there's anything specifically that you need my attention for, you need to get that to the office by Thursday because we'll be gone on Friday itself. The crew is hard at pulling soil test uh, and cleaning up our summer testing. Again, if you haven't got your soil test orders in for the summer, make sure you get that done so the guys can clean it up as they're coming by itself. So with that, keep her safe and keep her rolling.